Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. And guys, we are one week away, officially one week, from Disney Plus' Loki Season 2. We're very excited, and I'm also excited to be welcoming back the super producer of this show, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Happy to be back. Happy to have a quick check-in because we got some good news and some questions to talk about. Yes, most definitely. And and before we get into those questions, one thing we can't question is Marvel Cinematic University's Patreon, patreon.com. You get our bonus content. There will be a Fast 7, Furious 7, in fact, pod that uh, we're going to be getting to shortly that you guys will have this weekend. And of course, get into the Discord for $3. The Avengers uh, portion of the Patreon is $8. If you have an opportunity to be a part of a future subscriber mailbag with us, those are a lot of fun. And of course, appreciate everybody for supporting in the meantime. But yes, Jake Jake mentioned about the good news that we got. The Writers Guild of America and the studios finally, finally after 100 plus days of striking for good reason, Mm-hmm. Uh, and back and forth negotiations have finally come to a three-year deal. Jake, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this because I think the one thing that stood out to me was the studios had no choice but to give the writers what they deserve. Yeah, they from I'm not an expert from all the experts I've seen, even the most like cynical people. The breakdown of it is, oh, the studios got b- blown away. They got destroyed. Uh, it's an incredible deal for the writers. Um, basically, every major ask they got in some level, um, major protections against AI, uh, guaranteed minimum size of rooms, uh, staff writers get uh, extra pay for having episodes that they get, even though it's going to be under NDA, they get access to streaming data to then get residuals off of. Those mm-hmm. are like the big, I would say like the big four ones that come to mind immediately. And also some... Uh, minimums for certain levels of producers. Basically, they created some protections to make sure that there could be a pipeline of writer to producer. Because what's happening now a lot of times is that since the writers are so small, if you're a writer, you used to like staff for a couple shows and then you get to producer credit and then you can start producing shows and getting more money. But that hasn't been the case because the writer's rooms are also small and they don't guarantee spots for producers. So there are people who have written on 10 shows but have never produced one. Anyway, right. they got protections to get all of those. And like... It's. I think that we've been very pro union. I think you and I are both very pro labor. Uh, anyone who thinks that the, there's any better way to get, uh, you know, rights for the common man in this country is kidding themselves. Uh, you, you can't just ask. You have to demand it. And this is labor solidarity working. I mean, someone in our Discord uh, asked, you know, who was not really following on super closely, asked, "Why does it seem like the studios just gave them everything? Like, don't they have any leverage?" And it's like they thought they did because what mm-hmm. they didn't want you to talk about this, but like. The playbook was, because it's like, what was their playbook? Well, they didn't seem like they did anything. No, their playbook was very simple. It was a three-plunk thing, that, which had worked before. It worked in 07, which right. is you turn the public against them, make the make them seem like greedy writers. You turn the big, like the showrunners against the small writers. You know, you say like, you're st- stopping your shows for whatever. And then you turn the crew members against them saying they're preventing your paycheck just because they want money. And the problem was the writers were so effective at pointing out that that's bullshit. The public always sided with the writers because they know damn well that these studios are making billions of dollars on this shit. The other, the big showrunners, they know that their rooms are getting smaller. They're not blind. And the other crew members are like, wait, the IASI in particular, they got screwed over in their last deal. And they're like, we're not going to let you screw over the writers because you screwed over us. And so it all didn't work. And it was beautiful to see. When you consider the 
the situation. And again, I've said this many times on this show, this was something that had to be done. This was something that was necessary. Considering everything, just something as simple as somebody being an extra on WandaVision and having their face scanned and then all of a sudden is being redistributed in any type of way for forever without without only not getting paid for it either. So when you consider all these things, and obviously SAG-AFTRA uh, is their negotiations are coming up next week, I'm sure this will be a sticking point for them as well. And again, you can't get into this without stating this fact. The wealth of these executives and the studios is so exorbitant that what the Writers Guild of America plus SAG-AFTRA, what they're asking for is just, hey, we're here. We're doing the work. We're making the content. Can we please get something? And that something is what they got here. And no matter how you try and slice it, if you were somebody like a a Stephen Amell, who was just like, well, I don't like striking. I mean, at the end of the day, this this was not only historic, but this was important. Not just in this situation, but that the idea... If you look at everything that's been happening across the nation, as far as not only auto workers and everything that's going on as far as these unions and these labor, as you you mentioned earlier, these things are so important just fundamentally to what is going on, not only in this country, but in the world overall. I think when you look at just the the situation at large, um, especially specifically as it pertains to what's going on with the writers like you see all these writers who you know they they can't make any money off of no residuals and everything as we discussed Mm -hmm. so this was such a necessary and important and more importantly very heartening to see the solidarity as -hmm. you mentioned earlier and to see them them push this through to now be able to kind of set set something going forward that the negotiations in the future will start here and it has to be here and to set that baseline was really cool to see and just never forget we have been very obviously pro labor and pro the writers and the actors in this conversation and i would implore the customers the audience that that listens to us and everybody who partakes in all of this content and everything that goes on is to just remember who creates that stuff and how they get treated and, and everything that goes along with it. I I was thinking as you were talking earlier, a lot of this, I feel like it may have not been a direct correlation, but I do think the stuff with the VFX workers in Marvel, that stuff coming out, Oh, for sure. Kind of got people to start to see like, hey, mm-hmm. this is a real problem. People yeah. are talking about mental health issues and being mm-hmm. worked incredibly difficult hours just to turn things around for a, a big of a studio as yeah. Marvel is and Disney is. So yeah. this all this all has been leading to this point. And I, like I said, I feel so heartened by mm-hmm. everything that happened in this situation. So I hope SAG-AFTRA gets everything that they're looking for. And I hope that this is the start of just generally as these negotiations will continue to evolve because the studios will continue to try and find ways yeah. to to circumvent everything. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll yeah. see what happens, but this is very exciting to not only have people get back to work, but more importantly, being able to do the work in mm-hmm. a way that they feel comfortable doing yeah. the stuff that they love. There was a, a quote I heard when I was listening to Chris Hayes' podcast. It's apparently an old labor axiom, but it's that like people don't go on strike and organize for salaries. They do it to protect their dignity. And I think that there's a thing that the writers, I think the writers really emphasize, which is really important, is like there is a loss of dignity when you're being told that you created a show that is like groundbreaking, like the guy who made the bear, but you can't afford like a tuxedo to go to the Emmys. That is, that is a, that is the studio taking away your dignity. You did something that is great, but you are not given the fruits of that. That is an injustice. That's more than just, Oh, so greedy. I want money. It's like, and and I just want also implore people to look at the ways that that's case in your life. Because as I like to tell the only reason why companies don't do use slavery in the United States is because it's illegal. They would pay you zero dollars and zero cents if they thought it would make the bottom line go up. Mm-hmm. So just like don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that the reason why we have 40-hour work weeks, the reason we have a minimum wage, the reason of all this shit is because labor is before us. Don't ever let people convince you that labor that unions are just for lazy people who don't want to work. They're for people who want to get treated with respect. And uh, the world will be a lot better place if more jobs are unionized. Uh, and that's my soapbox. Yes, and uh, the last thing I'll add on this is something kind of more outside the purview of this is just look at the way uh, the industry has continued to evolve. Look at what streaming has become. Mm -hmm. Look at what is happening with just something as simple as Max adding Western Conference Finals NBA playoff games to their their schedule. This is changing. This is evolving continuously. Mm -hmm. Amazon with the Thursday Night Football. All of this stuff is continuing to change and evolve. So it only makes sense mm-hmm. that the labor watches this and sees yeah. this and say, hey, we got to get a cut of this too. Yeah. Especially if you see stuff like allegedly Apple wanting to buy Disney and and things yeah. along those lines. Is that the money will continue. The wealth, yeah. this is the thing, the wealthy will always stay that way. Yeah. The, th- the thing is... The- there's a thing that I really, that frustrates me a lot. It's honestly very particular to America. I don't want to be one of those like Americans who bashes America, but there's a certain <laughs> thing where like yeah. everyday middle class Americans think it's like, well, of course this company made a decision that turns their thirty billion dollar profit to thirty two billion. It's like, no, why can't we say no? It's okay if you only make thirty billion. You don't need to make, you don't need to starve people and only make thirty two. It's okay. These studios are like, in my opinion, these studios should be allowed to profit exactly one billion dollars a year, and above that, everything should go to the creative people. Now that will never happen, but that's not the way it should work. Why? Why should these companies make ten billion dollars if the people who are making it are not seeing any of that anyway? Anyway, anyway. That's me. That's 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 went to NYU Jake popping out. I apologize. <laughs> Crawl, walk, and then run. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure. happy. I'm happy that we've gotten to this point. And I want to see what happens with SAG after next week. Yeah. And if so, we can start to get into what, what tends to happen mm-hmm. specifically as it pertains to us with Marvel yep. and everything that's going on there. And then you have to question the logistics of trying to fast track movies, as I read in Variety the other day. That'll be a situation in itself. But we'll get to that in due time. But, Jake... We had, we had a couple of questions that we wanted yeah. to go to, and then we'll go through those, and then we'll have a little blurb about Loki at the end. Mm-hmm. And so take it away, Jake. What you got for me? So we have uh, we have three questions that were sent in on our Discord. This was They are sent in around the time of our subscriber mailbag, but they were more relevant to like the actual MCU, so we want to do them on the main. Uh, so Sorry, four questions. We have uh, from Michael Springthorpe. From both your specific ex- expertises, how likely do you think it is that Sam Raimi directs Secret Wars? Because uh, he was floated as that. Um, what what's your take on that? Because you see, you're coming from the more newsy side. Is what are you what are you hearing on the streets? 
Okay, so, I mean, that was a name that was thrown out there. If I had to guess, I would say they lean a little bit. I feel like it's him. And I still feel like with everything that's happened over not only the strike and just some of the the delays and some of the other stuff that's happened in, in the MCU as of late, I would not be shocked if the Russos were were floated back again to try and get this mm-hmm. off. I, I always remember that the Russos said that the one MCU project that they would come back to do is Secret Wars. So I feel like that's one. I think Sam Raimi is definitely a name that is a is a is a real possibility. Mm-hmm. I think considering it seems like they want to continue with him with the Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah. And if the Doctor Strange stuff is connected to the Kang stuff, as a lot of the rumors have suggested, then it would only it would actually make a lot of sense yeah. to kind of continue along uh, that vibe. And and Sam has had a lot of experience with some of the older heroes in Marvel. Yeah. So I think I think I, I could see that happening. I, but yeah. I still think a lot of that will be determined in the months to come mm-hmm. as as the MCU tries to find its footing in terms mm-hmm. of how they want to space out their projects in the next four yeah. to five years. And also it's worth remembering, and Springthorpe actually put this in a parenthetical after the question, but like this movie is, is on only on paper. Like we don't know when it's coming out. And I would yeah. say that if he wants to do it, I th- I think the only question, of, if they want him, I think that it's just like, other than the Russo brothers, I actually can't think of someone who has a relationship with Marvel who would be a better name now, if I were him, I would probably say no, but I also don't know what it's like to be... Like, the fact that Sam Raimi didn't make a movie between Oz the Great and Powerful and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness leads me to believe that he has a lot of trouble getting his projects off the ground. Um, so, like, I would be very happy for it. I would be kind of sad for his career because I, I want to see the other stuff he has in his mind. I mean, he's an incredible director. Uh, now, with the Rooster Brothers, honestly, I think it really depends on when it comes out because... They are, they're in a strange situation because they're like now so heavy in their own producing. I don't know if they would want to come back to be produced on again. Like, I don't know if they they would want to be Mm -hmm. treated as just the director again. Um, But like, if Amazon stops paying them $300 million to make a show that no one but my dad watched, then like, fine. (laughs) I I guess I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but it's also like, at some point, their streaming gravy train of getting paid exorbitant amounts of money to make actual dog shit like not the people call the mcu dog shit but like if you watch some like if you watch the gray man i mean oof uh it's a little rough so if, if that if this if sig wars doesn't come out until like 2027 and they were done swindling money from streamers then maybe but i think it just it's all up in the air but i hope they don't do i hope they don't give it to someone who's like a second time director who they can control like the last like the last thing i want is secret wars to be directed by kevin feige you know what I mean? If you know what I mean, yeah, like, no, that's true. like, because whenever Kevin, the more you feel Kevin Feige in the director's chair, the worse movies generally tend to be. So I want them to give it to someone because it's already such a contrived. Right. It is the ultimate a kid mashing his toys together movie. So like, you, I want someone who has some visual ideas in it. I don't want it to just be like, and then we get a shot of Tobey Maguire on a green screen in London, and he's going against a <laughs> shot of you know Hugh Jackman on a green screen in Canberra. It's like I don't need that. <laughs> no, I think that's a fair point, and. Yeah, I, I, I think as this evolves, there is there is a part of me that says, even with the strikes and everything that happened, delays, which, you know, for some people, it, it would upset you. But I mean, obviously, not only was for a good reason, mm-hmm. but I do think that there is a chance for them to kind of like slow yeah. it down and try and get mm-hmm. these things right. And I yeah. think that's the most important thing. 
And if it happens to be Sam Raimi, I think I think he would do well. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, for whatever reason, Multiverse of Madness is is polarizing for whatever reason mm-hmm. it is. But I, I don't know. I was very I felt yeah. very good about what mm-hmm. I saw on the screen. And I think that he could carry that forward. And you know my stance. If you think that Multiverse of Madness was a bad MCU movie, then everything Martin Scorsese says about the MCU fans is correct about you. <laughs> like, that's a, like it's the, oh, the first movie in like a decade to have interesting visual ideas and people are like, this is too weird. Um, anyway. Yes, um. yes. But good question, Springy. <laughs> Forgot I was the one asking the questions. I took a drink of water. All right. Um, uh, Montel asks, what are the biggest questions you're hoping to get answered in the Marvels? Uh, you go first. I think I already know your answer, but I want to hear it. Well, I mean, again, like the, I think the, the Carol Monica relationship is yeah. very important to me. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's something that I feel like uh, I, I want to see that play out on screen and I want to see what ends up happening there. And I want to know more about Carol. I, I want to know this person. Why is, why has she left earth mm-hmm. to just, you know, gallivant across the, the galaxy mm-hmm. and do so many different things besides deal with the problems that are, are the, the relationships mm-hmm. that she left behind all of that stuff intrigues me a lot and um i mean more so than anything else like kamala khan i want to see what's next for her i want to see how her character continues to grow and evolve and become something even more special in the mcu i think those are the two primary things i mean i could i gotta be honest i don't care about the villain too much i don't care about the the conflict or anything Mm -hmm. per se i care about these three characters these three central characters and uh, how they're going to work together and how that's going to continue to build their, not only their individual stories, but their collective ones as they go. Honestly, you knocked out all of it. I think, I think that is both fine and also a little concerning is that beyond that, I don't have a lot of questions about it, but also like, the thing is, that's how most movies are. Like, it's only in the MCU is that, like, I'm not like, what questions am I looking to be answered in Killers of the Flower Moon? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what happens in it? Um, well, I think the Marvels yeah. also has, and it, I guess it depends on how you view it, because some fans will say like, oh, people are not really mm-hmm. interested, there's not really much of a story there, or there's not anything high stakes-ish mm-hmm. in, in this story. But no, I think as, if you recognize Kamala Khan and the way that they introduced mm-hmm. her, and Monica Rambeau, the way they also introduced her... Mm-hmm. I think those two figures are important. And of course, if Captain Marvel is supposed to be a big yeah. character, then hey, we yeah. gotta see it. Yeah. And the thing is, there are ways for them to pull it off that like the her absence could be a very interesting thing. Like I hope they don't just yada yada. Like I'm I think a lot of people are like writing her off like, well, she wasn't there, you know, she's a no show, yada yada. It's like, no, if you give a very interesting story about why she wasn't no, there she, that yeah. makes her a more interesting character and so i'm yeah, excited sure. to see what they do with that I, obviously that's what the movie's gonna be about it's not one of those things like i'm not afraid that they're not gonna touch that because like that has to be the plot of the movie but uh yeah i'm excited to see what they end up answering with that uh film wanderer in the discord asks do you think more mcu movies need to be under two hours like the marvels is speculated to be i don't think it matters i think no at the end of the day story matters i think how you decide to tell that story matters um if you can cut the fat, mm-hmm. um, then you do so. Uh, I feel like in certain cases, sometimes a two-hour, 29-minute movie like Infinity War was just like enough. They hit yeah. they hit all the right spots. Um, I'll make the argument that Endgame was maybe 20 minutes too long. Yeah. That, and I think those are fair, too. I think there's always... 
it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at some, I mean, I mean, we just talked about Multiverse of Madness. I felt like that movie was just like, that was like right in the. And that was the, pretty, that was pretty short for an MCU movie. Yeah, it was too, a nice, so. nice in the yeah. nice pocket of where yeah. that, um, No Way Home. Some people may think that was long. I don't know. Like, I think, yeah. you know, getting caught up in all of the emotion of everything that happened in that film. I feel like that was fine to me. It's very, it's very yeah. subjective. I don't think, I think as long as you don't feel like they're yada yadaing stuff mm. or it's stretching out to a point where you feel like it doesn't make sense or mm. it's dragging too long. Um, if you feel comfortable with that, then I think it's, yeah. you know, it always depends on how. It, it, it always depends on how these these creators, these directors, and these writers kind of fit the story and what makes sense. And as long as it makes sense and is good, then time is not going to be a, a big deal. Yeah, I, the short answer to the question is yes, in that there mm-hmm. have been MCU movies that are over two hours long. Like, Black Widow would have been a fine hour 45 movie. You know what I mean? Like, there, and you could also, you could probably, there's probably a version of Shang-Chi that they cut out some stuff, especially, like, a lot of the stuff in the third act that is under two. Like, there are versions of these movies that would be better. Do I think that they should go out and just try to make movies that are under two hours? Like, no. But do I think, I think, I think the, the reason why these MCU movies are very long more than anything is, comes at the writing stage, not the direction stage. Yeah. And so, like, do I think that they could trim out some of the, like, the reason these movies are so long is because on top of having a full plot for a movie, they have to have, like, 15 minutes of outside world building, which is... So, like, if you trim that out in some of these, they'd be under two hours. So, like, yeah, I think MCU movies generally should be shorter. Generally. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, like you said, directing to or writing to a specific length is a fool's errand. And I, I'm not saying that Filmwander is even suggesting that. I think that I think that's a great question. Um and uh, by just our final question asks, is there a chance Marvel is seemingly staying all in on Jonathan Majors because of what they're actually doing is making Kang a Loki-level villain, i.e. he's the first big bad, but setting up a larger, bigger bad that will be in the fin- saga's finale, parentheses, Galactus, question mark? I think the short answer to that is no, because the movie's called First Kang Dynasty, but I'm curious about what you think about that question and how that affects Majors going forward. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I don't see them deviating from this. I feel yeah. like if there was going to be a deviation, I feel like there would have been something more demonstrative than what we've gotten to this point. I agree. Um, it's hard for me, especially with the way that the multiverse saga has played out so far, where it, in a way we feels like we haven't gotten a lot of it, mm-hmm. that they would kind of like abandon ship or even to the point that Springthorpe is making as far as them adding an, uh, a Galactus to that, to that stage. No, I think if we're doing Kang and we're doing secret wars, mm-hmm. then the obvious build is towards battle world mm-hmm. and the beyonder. And if you guys listen last week, me and Hunter mm-hmm. kind of posited the theory that the Kang that got um, yeeted in, in quantum mania, um, will end up becoming the Beyonder and mm-hmm. creating this battle world that all mm-hmm. of the heroes um, from across the multiverse will be taking place in. Of course, that's speculation, but I do think that Kang is always going to be the is going to be the cent the you know the central figure of this saga. I think this is what they intended to do, and mm-hmm. it seems pretty clearly based off of everything I've at least seen legally with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're just going to keep delaying that, that they're either delaying that trial or whatever mm-hmm. is happening. Whatever is happening is not deterring them 
from making majors. Now you could say that hey, we haven't seen a lot of mm-hmm. the a, a lot of marketing of him for the mm-hmm. show. We've seen a couple of shots of his face, mm-hmm. but I think if if this is the central villain if and if this is a central figure, then you would yeah. tend to hide a lot of the stuff yeah. that he's doing in the show, especially mm-hmm. if he's going to be in it more than we think. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am on it. Um yeah. I feel comfortable in saying that Kang is Kang is going to we're going to keep mm-hmm. rolling with Kang until something happens yeah. or, or and, and the thing too about like i was thinking a lot about the recasting john and major situation that like a thing that actually this both the strikes and just the way that they laid out these movies has in disney's favor for this is that like because loki season two is already shot like i assume they could probably have him in deadpool 3 i don't know if he's in like the listed plot but like there are ways where they don't need to make a decision to recast him for like another year and a half like he doesn't actually need to appear for a while again so like i it's not it's not like he's going to be in every movie going forward so like i wouldn't be surprised like even if this trial gets delayed like another six months i still even think then it's not like they're going to be filming a movie that he needs to be in you know what i mean like they could easily rewrite whatever they already have so i think they're going to stay with him mostly because the mcu doesn't they don't really do gigantic out of nowhere surprises like that. Like Thanos was revealed to be the villain in the Infinity Saga in 2012, and he was the villain in the Infinity Saga. You know what I mean? Like they didn't mess around with that. And I think that that I'm glad that because it's you know I I think that there, it's already such a big universe. I don't we don't need to be you know exactly. Uh, especially yeah, I think that Galactus is like the big you know thing that everyone's talking about but in due time in due time um and yeah that is the final question but i think those are all good questions going into loki season two and uh setting us up for what will be an exciting fall in the world of uh, marvel hopefully yeah i mean we gotta we have we have loki and uh we have what if uh happening what if happening around christmas and the marvels obviously in november it should be a be interesting so now that we're a week away from loki um jake how you feeling like as we we kind of build up to this uh big release i'm excited i mean loki's great uh i'm excited to see these cool characters again i'm excited to see what's in store and i like that i don't really know a ton of what's going on obviously i know like there's the time slippage thing but they know that the plot is what's in, like they're very good at knowing what to give us in this so i'm excited to see it again i'm excited to see uh kihi kwan joined the cast i really have nothing but uh, other than jonathan majors uh, i have nothing but good things to say about the show yeah it's it's very exciting again i'm i I can't be any more excited in the sense that i feel like the story is going to the story and the characters are going to be very central the loki sylvie stuff Loki on one side being the person who makes the hero's choice but gets rebuffed and Sylvie making an alternate choice and her dealing with the ramifications of that. Those two figures and how they come together and how they kind of reconcile is exciting to me. That that I, I feel very I feel very happy about seeing those two reunited. And of course, the Loki Mobius uh, bromance is just like it's as good as it gets. So you have that and then you add everything into that with the multiverse saga and getting to know more about the time, uh, the time travel and everything that's happening there, I think is it sets up for a very good series. I I really do feel like I'm not going to get disappointed by this. I think they know what they're doing. I think they they're. they're locked yeah. in as far as this is concerned, and I'm excited to see what they got for us. Yeah, and, and Tom Hiddleston just has, I think, more than almost any other actor, just has such a key into this character. He's been playing it for so long, and he really seems to love it in a way that, like, 
is kind of obvious because a lot of the MCU actors understandably have some like reservations about their character. You know, like Elizabeth Olsen every three weeks gives us a quote about she doesn't want to be known as Wanda, which is completely understandable. <laughs> and anyone who oh, yeah. gets mad at her about that needs to shut the fuck up. She's a would you want to be known just by the one character you were like you like she's been in like Oscar worthy performances and people only know her as one character. But anyway. Um totally but he it, clearly yeah. I think understands what makes this character compelling and he finds it compelling. And so as long as he's the driving force of the show I don't feel lost. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel like that as long as I know how that character is feeling and I'm able to emotionally connect with that character, that is how you make all of the crazy multiverse shit work because it's like, Oh, this crazy shit's going on in the background, but this is more about this character's journey. Um, and sometimes when they have crazy shit in the background and you don't follow the character's journey, quantum mania, that's what kind of makes you lose it. Well, I think that's the, that's the coolest thing. Like, if you think about the history of Loki in the MCU and how we had felt in previous shows talking about the character kind of reaching its uh, point of getting stale mm-hmm. and then having the turn that he does from Ragnarok into Infinity War and then his character dies and you feel like the arc is complete mm-hmm. and then wondering why would you go back to this character yeah. in his own series but then seeing that they found a way to make it interesting and make mm-hmm. it compelling. So now after seeing what happened in the previous installments and then seeing what happens at the end of season one it's like oh this character always had some good in him Mm -hmm. and that is interesting and exploring as opposed to staying with the the villain we love to hate yeah exactly and i think that that's the thing always that whenever uh if you're into like a franchise like this you want to see character growth and development and that means people changing in and and, and changing in ways that are still related to the way they were because the thing about loki was he always was clearly not like a crazy he was he was never a crazy malevolent thanos type villain he was just an insecure you know jealous brother and so that gives you a lot of leeway to make him have a face turn yes yes absolutely so yeah i mean loki season two should be a lot of fun looking forward to it um earlier before we got on this call, I got a text from you saying mm-hmm. that you had a take that you wanted to uh, right. to um, unleash here. So I, I, I described it as a no guts, no glory prediction. Now, let's not forget, my last no guts, no glory prediction was about two years ago where I said Eternals was going to be the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes MCU movie of all time, which is one of the worst takes anyone's ever had. All right, let's just not forget that. But I did also predict that Aaron Rodgers would get injured this season, so I'm on a hey, little man. hot streak. So mm-hmm. I am an MCU fan. And so I take no pleasure in predicting this, but I think that the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is going to outgross the Marvels. And I think it might be like by a hundred million dollars. I think it's going to be, I think the Marvels has really bad buzz around it. And I think that people are underestimating how much people love the Hunger Games. That's, I see them come out one week after each other. And I'm like, I kind of think that the Marvels is going to have its lunch eaten by this movie. And I feel bad about it. I want the Marvels to do well, but I'm just seeing, just see, let's be honest, you see the buzz on Twitter. It's just, it's not, we can't uh-huh. lie. It's not good. Um, so I mean, it's 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 very it's very med level. I think people yeah. have now seen enough MCU movies to kind uh, enough, especially this last bunch that that's come out, um, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, to where people are kind of like, eh, I don't know. and think about Guardians of the Galaxy is it didn't open crazy big. It ha- it no. did well because it was good and it people wanted to word see of it. Mouth. Yeah, so word like, of mouth. Yeah, yeah. I'm just concerned that there just is not a lot of buzz for the movie and if it isn't really good then i'm concerned about its future now the fact that it's an imax a lot of weeks is going to help a lot but this is actually more of a prediction about i think the fact that people are really underestimating the new hunger games movie i think 
there's a whole new generation of kids who grew up reading those books. So I, I'm really That's like, true. I see, I still predicting like 300 to 400 million dollars. Like, I think they can make almost a billion. Like it's uh, so that's my no guts, no glory prediction. We'll come back and uh, I want to put it on video. So if I'm wrong, I can put it up. That'll be that'll be interesting because I think originally, I mean, imagine what would have happened if Dune came out. In oh, the, yeah. in that same. I mean, yeah. that would have looked a lot different. Um, that's another thing, too, even, that like the Ballast Armories and Snakes is going to be the movie for Thanksgiving break for, uh, you know, so. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, yeah, I think the. It's tough, man. Like I, I, I do feel bad because I want to see these women, of course, these, these women do well. It's and kind of see these characters flourish and kind of give them a reason to. Mm-hmm. I want to see a Miss Marvel season two, and I yeah. don't want that. I don't want the success of this movie attached to that. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the yeah. business. I want to so make it we'll very clear. Happens. Because I know a lot of people respond like, "Well, that there's only bad buzz because like this is a female-led movie with women of color, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. I think those things are all true. That doesn't mean that it's not that that's not going to hurt at the box office. Unfortunately, you know, like it's unfortunate, and I think that like I really think that there's kind of a turn on Marvel happening now with people. I think the quantum media really burned people, especially now that people who saw it like on Disney Plus, like oh this shit really and, and i think that that's thing if you're at the top you really can't miss i think they're really at a place where they couldn't miss and they miss pretty badly and so that's my prediction i hope it doesn't come true but uh i thought it and i'm like i gotta say it hey man it, re- it remains to be seen we'll see what happens um i hope jake isn't right but yeah. i mean there's there's no reason to think at this point that uh we won't get something along those lines of where the marvels does well does well but not to maybe the yeah. degree that they would have wanted, but yeah. you know that'll that'll be a story for another day. But in the meantime, we will get to Loki next week. Looking forward to talking about that season two on the way. Very excited. But um, yeah. In the in the meantime, Jake, where can we follow you, my man? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Listen to my other podcast, Love It First Psych, where me and Andre Barrera are going through USA Network original series Psych. We're starting season four next week. <gasps> Awesome, awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod on all platforms. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel as you will see here. And uh, check us out. Continue to subscribe. Get them numbers up. Continue to support us. Not only, also write reviews. Reviews on Spotify and Apple. Continue to do those things. And as I mentioned with the Patreon, uh, yeah, continue to support us there. Uh, we'll get those bonus episodes coming for you soon. October should be, uh, I will say this right now, October should be a fun month of shows, not only with mm-hmm. Loki, but I'm trying to cook up some stuff with, with guests and uh, and also do some other stuff on the Patreon mm-hmm. too. Have some plans to, mm-hmm. to try and uh, try and get back to uh, cooking that beef. So we'll just... We'll, we'll 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 just we'll we'll leave it we'll leave it right there in the meantime. So looking forward to doing that. So for Jake Christie, I'm Anthony Canton the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.